This episode sponsored by Clio, cloud-based practice management software. Makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O dot com. C-L-I-O dot com. Hello, and welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Christopher Anderson, and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded on location at the 2019 Clio Cloud Conference in San Diego, California. And joining me now, I have Mark Britton. Mark, welcome. Thank you, Christopher. How are you? I am well, thanks. It's uh, fantastic to be able to talk to you. Um, and before we get to the topic that we're going to discuss today, um, this is an opportunity just to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Wow, that, that's broad, and that yeah. could take up the entire time, but uh, yeah, okay. No, I mean, I'm, I like to think of myself as both a lawyer and a business person. I, I practiced law for a number of years and then ended up founding Avo, which yeah. is the world's largest legal marketplace. I, I sold it to KKR and Interbrand, Internet Brands, I shouldn't say I, we. Yeah. Uh, but uh, about, oh, almost coming up, uh, probably a year and a half ago. Right. And so since that time, I've been uh, sitting on boards, investing in companies myself, but I have not taken on another operating role. But I did recently join the Clio board. Right. And so uh, that's one of the reasons I was asked to come out to ClioCon this year and give a speech. And I'm happy to do it because, well, I love the Clio folks. Fantastic. Well, so let's start with that. You, uh, Avo, obviously, you, you are a lawyer. Avo was a venture into helping lawyers connect more with customers and, and consumers. Um, and now you've come onto the Clio board. What's like the driving force for change that you'd like to bring to the board that will bring Clio into the next generation? Well, I mean, first of all, I don't think a board ever leads. The yep. management team leads, and I'm there to be supportive of that management team. And I think that they're off to a great start in revolutionizing legal in their own way. I mean, you know, Jack talks about the operating system that Clio is for law firms, and they're crushing it on that front. And I think where I can add value is that a lot of platforms, if you look at the most successful platforms over the last, I don't know, call it five years, sure. whether it's a... Slack or Uber or, or Zoom or whatever it might be, these are B2B systems that have taken on very consumer-like traits. Right. right. And I mean, really Slack, I just, that's such a great case study because Slack, I mean, messaging was, it was such a saturated market, but, but Slack came in and just crushed it because they built a very consumer-like product that people could use to communicate, interact, um, uh, manage their um, organizations, but um, in, in a way that they were already interacting with their friends and family through things like Facebook or Snapchat or what have you. So I think one of the places that I can be very helpful is to help Clio think about their B2B platform and how it can take on some of those consumer traits. Right, which makes a lot of sense, because I would think one of the things that Avo did, and one of the things that you've been really helpful with, is, is starting to help consumers figure out how to consume this service called legal services. Because yeah. 
I think, and I think you've done great things, but I still think there's a huge gap between how they consume legal services and almost anything else. The, the amount of knowledge a consumer has when they finally need a lawyer tends to be very low and how to, how to shop for one even lower. Um, how do you see consumers approaching legal services today and how can we make that better? Well, it's still moving slowly. I mean, if yeah. you look at all the data and Jack's phenomenal keynote this morning that he talked about the, ga the gap between people who need legal services and the lawyers who need business, it still exists uh, just massively. So I, you know, I think that what we need is, uh, so one of the reasons that this investment in Clio makes me so happy is that it, it helps trigger a lot of additional investment and mindshare that goes yeah. into legal and helping, uh, and it's so funny, just out of my other ear, I can hear Jack talking right now <laughs> on another podcast about bridging the gap between legal and consumers. But it, it is a mantra. I mean, Jack, we talked about it at ABO for years. Jack has talked about it at Clio for years. But I think the more investment that comes in, whether it's to Clio or other companies, we're going to figure out the gap and how to close it faster. And so that, that's what I'm excited about. And I hope I can be a part of it as, as much as possible. Yeah, up till now, uh, I think Clio's done a great job of helping lawyers to get better organized, to be that platform for them. Um, but Clio hasn't really gotten out in front of consumers in a big way yet. What part of this discovery journey of a client that's seeking legal services can be addressed most easily? Oh boy, that's, that, you know, it, it sounds like a simple question, but it's actually a very deep pool, right? Because let, let, me, let me just back up and talk a little bit about what the legal consumer wants and needs. So the legal consumer is completely lost. Yep. Oftentimes they think that they're looking for something that is free, but really what they're looking for is value that is, um, and when I say value, is something that is valuable is a better way to, to put them. it. Yeah. But how do they, they, they need someone to hold their hand to say, you have a legal issue, here is something that is val valuable to you in solving that legal issue, and, and here's how it works in a drop-dead simple way. So uh, one of the, the challenges that we've had in legal, and especially with lawyers themselves, is that they've actually made it very hard for consumers to approach them. Right, right. And, and so, um, it, so when you say, uh, the only way that I can really answer your question in a simple and short way is they want it to be easy. They, sure. they want, they, they know they need help, but they don't know what lawyers do. They don't know how to approach the lawyers and the lawyers make, it, make themselves hard to find. And when they do find them, they're talking in all sorts of legal jargon and they want money up front and they do all this stuff that create the barriers to entry, the, the barriers to a relationship, a, 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 a representation being fused to them being yeah. connected. So consumers, they, they don't want free stuff they want things that are valuable to them, but delivered in, to them in a way that doesn't make them think. And the more sure. that lawyers can wrap their heads around that, the more successful they'll be. Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned a bunch of other platforms, Uber and, and, and others. Can you think of any profession that started to figure this out uh, outside of legal? So I do think medical's ahead of legal. Yeah. Um, Legal, I mean, excuse me, medical has its own challenges because of the legacy systems of the patient management systems. But if you think about the approachability, so let's just start, let's, let's not bring technology into it. Sure. 
But think of the nurse practitioner. So basically the profession said, we're, we're having a difficult time with consumers getting in front of a doctor. So what we're going to do is take someone who comes out of a nurse background, but we're going to let them play doctor right. for the most simple cases, or at least for screening early cases. So think about it. When you go into emergency rooms these days, when you go to see um, uh, doctors in big hospitals these days, more often than not, you're just getting the nurse practitioner. Sure. And quite, quite often, I'm so much more happy to see that person because they'll see me within a day. Right. And they have great bedside manner because they're, they, they have kind of, they're the front line, they're the customer service arm, and they're really great at talking to me and understanding what I need. And often, you know, I come in thinking that I have like malaria and they're <laughs> like, no, you know, actually, if you just take a couple of these, it's one Z pack and you're good. In legal, we can't get that right. We right. like, you have a bunch of bars that have gone after uh, the limited licensed legal technician and That's all right, this yeah. stuff. And lawyers have fought it tooth and nail. Like in the Triple LT in Washington State, they fought it tooth and nail. So that that uh, before I go down on, I, I could talk about how we haven't built entry level processes and systems for lawyers. I could talk for days about that. However, as you go to the technology side, lawyers are are still just very afraid of technology, and and it's not so much the lawyers as it is the regulators. Right. And and the regulators, because they're understaffed, because they are not experts in technology, um, a lot of the regulators just freeze when it comes to how do we most aggressively bring new technology to the forefront, to our customers, and in a way that helps the lawyers and helps the, the legal consumer. And so, you know, what, what, what you have is a lot of bars. And again, I will not turn this into a soliloquy on this, but I could. If you think about one of, the, one of the biggest challenges, I would argue one of the biggest plagues in legal right now is the non-binding advisory opinion. <laughs> yes. So what happens is you have a regulator that has never said, yes, you may do this. So someone comes in and asks a question. And, the, and whether it relates to how I deliver my service or the, the technology for my service, the bars are so behind and they don't have the expertise that they often will release, they'll just say, we are going to keep the status quo because we don't know what else to do. And they will often say in promoting the status quo or keeping things at the status quo, they're actually saying no. Right. And, and they, they claim it's, they'll say, hey, still kind of do what you want because this is a non-binding advisory opinion, but it's the equivalent of it being a binding, it freezes everything in its tracks. Yeah. And so the lawyers who are most fearful regarding that innovation will simply go into the bar and get a non-binding advisory opinion, which freezes everything. Okay, yeah. And it really yeah. freezes innovation. It does. It, and, and I mean, so what you're talking about really is, is figuring out a way to open the gateway to make it more friendly for the consumer, whether it be a nurse practitioner type model. Right, you know, whether, whether it's a different type of person. Yeah, or, or a technology. Different type of technology, platform, what have you. And that's where I think Clio's done a pretty brilliant job of introducing a bunch of new tools for lawyers within the construct of the bar rules. But I mean, I don't think we're, I think as more money comes in, yeah. we're going to see more people pushing the envelope, which will 
which will increase the pace of innovation because the bars are going to have to keep up. But I, I think also at the same time, I would love to see the bars and uh, the Supreme Courts take on a little bit more of a culture of it's not all about being a technician as a lawyer. We run businesses as well. And we are partly responsible in driving um, or at least promoting business innovation. Yeah. And I know you're speaking this afternoon kind of on that topic about how lawyers need to get more comfortable with the fact that they are business owners. Yeah. And, uh, or let's just start with uh, lawyers understand that they are business owners. Right. Yeah. And then, so how, how would lawyers understand that their business owners help to push this message forward about, about making the gateway more open, more friendly, more welcoming? Yeah, I don't think that you can succeed in business if you aren't a student of business principles. Sure. And I think that when you look at there being a bifurcation between what it means to be a lawyer and what it means to be a business person you can't succeed. I, I think you might be able to practice law, but I don't think you're going to build a thriving legal practice. It's, it, it is amazing to me how many lawyers have said to me that I would love to expand my business, but don't talk to me about this business stuff because if I'd wanted to be a business person, I, I would have gone to business school, not law school. And so I'm just a big believer that um, that bifurcated thinking, it, it's it, it has to go away and the lawyer has to embrace the fact that they run a business, whether it's a small business or a big business, um, in order to truly succeed both in, in kind of life satisfaction and also monetarily. Yeah, so let me wrap up with this question then. We mentioned other professions before. You said medical. Have you seen physicians? Have you seen accountants? Have you seen any other profession where the professional has become comfortable with the fact that they're a business owner? Well, let me, I'll, let's just keep it on medical for a second sure. because that comes most immediately to mind and we chatted about it. Um, I think you absolutely have doctors realizing that they are running a business, but the reaction has not been to become students of business. It has been them to give up their physician-owned practices and go to work for very large corporate-type hospitals. Right. And uh, so the migration, I mean, you are watching physician-owned practices not go away, but reduce in number dramatically. And so I'm not looking for that in legal, although maybe that's a place that legal could end up where the mega firms run, you know, let's imagine if mega firms could go public. Sure. And hire a bunch of lawyers as technicians who are the ones that, I just want to practice law. So I like that model. But because you have so many individual lawyers, I mean, the, the, the small law firm, the solo lawyer tail is so long right. that I don't see that happening in the next decade. So over the next decade, let's have those small solos uh, realize that they're business people and get on the path of learning uh, business principles and becoming better business people. I think that's a great place to end it because we have reached the end of the road. Uh, for our episode. And I want to thank Mark Britton uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Christopher. And if our listeners have questions or want to follow up, how can they reach you and get in touch with you? I think the easiest way is to find me in social media. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can find me in Twitter. You can find me through Facebook. You can find me through Instagram and Snapchat. But that's how a lot of people find me. Oh, LinkedIn, of course. Find yeah. me through LinkedIn. I get a lot of in-mail that says, hey, can we chat? Yeah. 
Great. Well, thank you also to our listeners for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Again, I'm Christopher Anderson. And until next time, thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.